0: And we're here in the post show with Puddle's Pity party I expect a bunch of really awesome covers from a clown who's the band that he's playing with there it's a vintage what's that called the band he's playing with there cause they do like lounge versions of lots of covers that band
1: it's, uh, it's a postmodern jukebox. Postmodern
0: jukebox, yeah. So I'm hardly an expert in those guys, but check them out because if you like the lounge versions of pop songs, they do those regularly.
1: I like them when they're good, but it needs to have a good song in its core, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like right. just just having a lounge song sure. of a bad song. Well.
0: When you're in the bathroom, I found. Like, I think this is a good.
1: This is a good song. I, I really yeah. do like this song.
0: Well, when you're in the bathroom, I was looking for other puddles songs, and I came across "Space Oddity," which is a good song. Uh-huh. I only listened to the beginning of it, but it didn't strike me like right. um, Royals yeah. does. You want me to play this one here?
1: Yeah, go ahead. All
0: around me are this is like just haunting.
1: Well, this is—I mean, this it's is a haunting song. On, but well, the original song is not this haunting, and then it was yes. that version that was made that's a haunting version. Right? Oh, okay. I mean, because you, you've heard the original version, right? I think so. It's—it's it's, uh, uh, tears for fears, which I know you don't like.
0: So, like here, here. All right. So puddles, please just stand still for a so second. This is the original song. I don't think I've ever heard this. Who sings the 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 popular haunting version?
1: Oh, uh, Gary Jules, I guess. I think right. Is that who it is?
0: I, oh, I thought it was or Michael Andrews. I thought it was a brand name that I would recognize.
1: So it's, So listen to when it gets to the chorus. You'll see like how it's really different.
0: right this like beat yeah it's, it's hoppy
1: it's so different from the version yeah. which yeah I'm sure you which is like
0: yeah this is this, I thought this was the original mm-hmm. okay it's like when um. so I think we've talked about this before but personal Jesus right right you have Depeche Mode's version mm-hmm. have you heard Johnny Cash's version yes with the Hammond organ Mm-hmm. You know the Hammond organ kind of has that a bit of accordion thing, you know, like pipes going on. Right. And I do—I just think you know the the liveliness of Johnny Cash's version of "Personal Jesus." It's a more bouncy. It's more, you know, it—that um, it, works for me. You know? Well, in
1: the same sense, like Johnny Cash also a cover of "Hurt," which I think works better than the original Nine Inch Nails. Oh well, yeah,
0: "Hurts" is, is—is oh man, "Hurt" is just a special song. Yeah. It, it won a grammy right I mean it... yeah and uh, I know I told True this
1: Here's the chorus like without yeah, I mean it's good. so much yeah. more fitting I think to, to, mm-hmm. to the lyrics yeah but uh, it's, it's so weird to think that wow that came from that and, and that's it, I think it was cool that you can take something like that and pull this interesting stuff out of it yeah, I
0: mean this song is, is haunting and beautiful, and the other was it the you said? No, no, it was Tears oh. uh, uh, for Fears. Tears for Fears played that one. It it, it it seemed shallow. It seemed this one has depth, and that one seemed shallow. Well,
1: I mean, obviously, the original song had depth, but it just was it was disguised in this in yeah. in this format that you didn't you personally aren't. I wouldn't say allowing to have depth. But it's the same way. Like, if I heard a death metal song that had depth, I wouldn't get it because Mm -hmm. I would just hear the death metal. Right. Okay. So so it's not like, uh, yeah, I mean,
2: I don't
1: know exactly what I'm trying to say. But it's just
0: reinterpretations of of good songs will carry through. Mm -hmm. So I was telling Greg before, we had some dinner and stuff before we started the show, uh, you know, when Handmaid's Tale won Best Drama at the Emmys, I figured I'd give it a watch. So I, I, I just finished up last night. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's an interesting, I see why it won the drama. And you talk about the Emmys or politics as well. And certainly because of, if Trump wasn't president, I don't think it would have won Best mm-hmm. Drama. But because of all the shit's happening, this whole slippery slope into something as fucked up as the handmaid's tale right. is reasonably plausible or at least imaginable. Yes, imaginable uh, is probably the better. Imaginable for it. Yeah. is um it makes it more so poignant. Your, uh... Sure. Yeah. It it makes it more poignant. And um yeah, I mean that's the thing, is
1: is one of the reasons what we look at back at, at at certain awards and stuff and we say, mm-hmm. How did that win then? Mm-hmm. Like how the fuck did Crash win? <laughs> how did Crash win Best Picture? Yeah. And you gotta think about all the fucking or racial tension that was happening around the time.
0: Yeah. Or, or a candle in the wind, you know, in '93 right. when Princess Di died. You know, mm-hmm. being number one for six months or <laughs> at least two months.
1: Oh, this is cool. It's kind of a yeah. This is postmodern jukebox like a 20s, like. too. Is like
0: yes, a duet with postmodern jukebox as well. So,
1: so well, I'm like, now I'm like losing my
0: place in my thinking because of this. Okay, um, talking about awards and. The, the, uh, the world in which they've won.
1: Yeah. It's... Uh, I mean, th- there's there's so many weird trends in award shows, which is why I've um, learned to really not... I've, I, and, and, and honestly, I have had to teach myself because there's a lot of attention around them, so you have to kind of teach yourself don't pay attention to this stuff. Because what, what I found is, like, there's cultural and political things in terms of certain awards and then there's also this weird like industry stuff that goes on like Julia Louis-Dreyfus is great I totally understand it but there's no reason why she should have won four times in a row for her Veep Award you know there are other performances that could be celebrated I gotta get back into
0: Veep because I watched some of the early seasons and I stopped watching because sure it was kind of funny it yeah, was kind it's, of forced.
1: It was never my favorite of of that kind of genre. And it I sounds re- like it's I, got better. I
0: really enjoy the
1: original in the thick of it. Okay. Which is the movie that it was all that it all came that Imando what his name came up with, and then they made a series out of it, and then he basically took that series and moved it over to the U.S. Kind of like how, kind of like House of Cards in a way, mm-hmm. uh, and. But the original in The Thick of... I think it was in The Thick of It, the one with uh, uh, Peter Capaldi and uh, uh, James Gandolfini. Highly recommend it. Very, very funny, very witty, very risque kind of... language-wise, at least. Uh, so I'd heavily recommend it. I think it's on Netflix, so you can go ahead and watch it. Um, but I think that's all I really need, because you get... There's a story there's all the little wordplay and shit and it's all done in an hour mm-hmm. and a half and there you mm-hmm. go you're done you got right. you got it all and i think that gets it and this is sort of like the the, the series is like taking that it it's doing what stranger things does which is taking a concept and just stretching it all, all out and i do, and, and the the concept doesn't have that kind of legs uh a little like am ah, star wars mm-hmm. uh <laughs>
0: So, it's, it, it it's, you know. Let's try some... another Mad World cover here. Let's see if this ain't good. Oh, that's like,
1: not Mad World.
0: This is Creep. <laughs> this is Mad World, Hayley Reinhardt, but yeah. Like it's
1: an strange. angel.
0: Do you want to play it or no?
1: Sure, listen, it's a good song. All right. That's the thing, that remember, the, the Facebook movie did that. They, they mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh social network, they used that as their song for the preview, which was a great way to take that song and turn it into something else and yet still have the the I don't know, the power of the song come come
0: mm-hmm. through You know, ever since you uh, had me listen to some of that Radiohead in the post show I've heard a couple Radiohead songs I haven't sat down and listened with headphones yet but I heard one on the radio and i think i appreciated it a little bit okay. deeper than i had otherwise so okay. i'm kind of open to to figuring out radiohead
1: i i think okay computer is an excellent album to listen to front to back because there's so many different things going on and so many cool stuff i really think that no, i think that's, it's that's not i think it's me. pablo honey is my favorite no not is it pablo honey the one with um, what's the which which one which one is my favorite album is uh tsh-tsh. I think That's it's Pablo Honey them. is my favorite album of theirs. No, the Benz, the Benz is my favorite album of theirs rather. Um, that has like all the time stuff but but like here's that song that, that that you really didn't like when 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 Nick was playing it but mm-hmm. I think if you listen to it now maybe maybe you'll get it it's the last song of the album okay. so it's sort of a end tune You were saying like You thought they were kind of like Stuck up or something That was your original I
0: don't know if I stuck up Mopey, boring Kind of my feel
2: So this is
1: a lot of stuff going on for me There's an interesting... I mean,
0: let's keep it going. No, oh, play it, will listen. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, generally I think of mopey and boring when I think of both Depeche Mode and Radiohead.
1: I understand Depeche Mode for sure. But this is like a sad song, so it's not meant to be like, it's not going to get into awesome. Uh...
2: Hey, watch out for
1: but it has an idea behind it and it's trying to present that. Fade
0: again Like for this song, I'm here. like, to me there's a dissonance between the melody and the vocals. Like, I, the melody I think is really engaging the guitar riff that's happening it's repeating on like you know like seven different measures and repeating mm-hmm. and repeating and the vocals are just like eh. i i do understand the first, that, part of, the first part at least now it seems like it's getting a little more rich now Like, I love the guitar riff I think that's really good I, mean, I just don't like the vocalist the the singer I, and it's, I'm, not, I'm not really ashamed to say I don't know any of the members of Radiohead Yeah, no, I
1: understand <laughs> But I also like I totally get not liking a band because you don't like the singer because I, I that's kind of my problem with Ben Folds right? okay. it, it's, it's like and I totally and like when I was playing pavement for Nick, you know he did like the singer. I was like, I totally get it. If there's some, what's his name, uh, Dave Matthews. I just I don't like his. I mean, I think that there's there's a real talent there. Mm-hmm.
0: But, I used to be a pretty big Dave Matthews fan, but he he turned into Jimmy Buffett. You know, he's not. As far as I know, I haven't seen anything new mm-hmm. and interesting from him since like '98. <laughs>
1: But yeah th- th- I mean, I, what I love about this is that there's so much sort of layering of different versions of the same musical idea here. This is I think this is a really good song. But I understand if you don't like a music uh, uh, a, a musician because you don't like their the mm-hmm. guy who's singing. Like I, I might be more
0: appreciative of Pearl Jam if I thought Eddie Vedder was an interesting. See, I like Pearl Jam, but they're the same as Green Day. All of their big songs have had so much radio play, I don't like any of their main songs. I don't like Alive, I don't like... Or, uh... What was the name of the album? What was the name of the number one song? Even Flow? Or... Uh,
1: it's, it's weird because I went through a period where I loved Green Day, but I, then I went through a period where I hated them. And now it's like, I really do think American Idiot is a fantastic album. Yeah,
0: it's a great album. I think Dookie is a really good album, too. Yeah. But there's just too many songs I'd never want to hear again. Right, right. Um, but American Idiot, other than the title song, I don't think it got too much radio play. At least not... Or, no, it got, it got a or,
1: ton of radio play. What are you talking about?
0: Okay or it came late enough that I had stopped listening to commercial radio. Right, I was listening that's, to that's possible. I was listening to all CDs and you know eventually podcasts but and, you you know.
1: It is one of my favorite Radiohead songs. It is so different and also I remember playing it when Jesse was like 2 years old and he kept going
2: again again
1: it was so <laughs>
0: awesome.
1: Like, it kind of has this, it does have this kind of nursery rhyme aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But it's, if
0: you listen it. No, to dance, I, I think the setup's good. Let's see how the singer ruins it. <laughs> making it easy for me I just don't think I like his style and his tone just
1: you know inject your heroin and and, (laughs) you
0: know he's like so close to like doing something that sounds good to me you know it's like come on just stop being so mopey it's his style
1: it's like Bob Dylan you gotta get used to it yeah and then you start to sort of appreciate it in some sense.
0: what I need to do is find some Radiohead covers. <laughs> no, I'm serious, right? Good covers. Just someone else singing the song and see how I feel about it.
1: I guess that might work, but I... Uh,
2: yeah.
0: There are, I,
1: of, there are plenty of covers. Okay. Here's a great example. I think I may have played this for you, but uh, uh, Para- there is a YouTube cover of, of Paranoid Android that does its only... YouTube clips. There's no Radiohead in this at all. I think it's fantastic. Okay. Okay. Well, was paranoid journey is one of my favorite songs. Then, but but anyway. Is only using clips from YouTube. Only using artists from YouTube.
0: Sounds like when they put Empire Strikes Back. Which- Home like fanfiction, like clips, right? Did you see that? I didn't, but but this is this is really well edited too.
1: It doesn't start great. (laughs) It gets, you'll see. It builds.
0: You better build a really big fucking lane. Starting. longest guitar right there See that guy is like great job here It's a big guitar <laughs> Good
2: visuals the
1: whole thing. No. No, really? No. Nope. See, to me, that's like a sort of bohemian rhapsody. Like, it's got a. It's. It has a real. Uh, progression to it, and it goes through different phases, and so it's 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 really interesting.
0: What the fuck?
2: That's
1: not
0: what I want to play. <laughs> what do you play? I don't know. It's not working. What the fuck is this? <laughs> 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 that is absolutely not what i was trying to play it's getting weird <laughs> i do want to play so okay before
1: you play another music i do want to go through this because this is something that i right. oh my god when i first saw this i was so pissed off oh no because about what
0: kind of, science yes about no science. not science
1: because this guy was, was making, the, well, it was, it was fake science, pseudoscience, because mm. this guy is making this thing where he's trying to, he, he says he's trying to explain what people mean when they say ten dimensions. So he was doing imagining mm. the ten dimensions.
0: Oh, so you sent me something that was fucked up wrong? Yeah. Oh, I thought no, you were sending me something that was going to teach me about 10 dimensions. No,
1: no, no. I was sending you something that was fucked up. Wrong. Oh, I would have
0: oh. watched it if you would give me a little bit of cue. I'm like, I don't have the brain space to, to learn about 10 dimensions right oh, now. Oh, the beauty of this is how
1: horrible it is. Because I said before, then there's this idiot. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I just saw the 10 dimensions. Like, oh, that sounds heavy. I'm going to watch that later.
1: So, no, this is... The the interesting thing about this is that he, he uses... Something called a point-line postulate, which is some geometry bullshit that, you know, I don't use. Uh, or, you know, but, but then he he's oh, Imagining
0: start, the 10th dimension.
1: He starts to just... He starts with, okay, okay, and then he gets, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Okay. And he then, like, is, is so uh, adamant about it being real. He's just a fucking artist. He's not a physicist or anything. Jeff put a tiny slinky on top of a a, a bottle of beer. He was handing that
0: to me. I think I should invent that. It it looks like fun. I could sell
1: that. Let's imagine the 10th dimension together.
3: Modern theories tell us that there are 10 spatial or space like dimensions to our reality.
0: Okay, first of all. check that. Where's that come from? Okay, so. Yes. You took my slinky bottle apart! There
1: are some theories, string theories in general, that conceive of ten spatial dimensions and one time dimension. There are three spatial dimensions that we are aware of. That we can perceive, yes. XYZ. And then there are six, according to the modern theories, that are compactified such that they are all kind of twirled up against each other at a, every point in space so that you don't notice them they're so tiny they are all i should point out spatial dimensions okay they are extensions of space in different directions that we cannot perceive but remember what dimensions are dimensions are degrees of freedom in a certain direction
3: Okay. Yeah. Hi, my name is Rob Bryanton. Hi, hey, Rob. With this project, I have developed a creative way to use a variation of what's known as the point-line plane postulate to visualize those 10 dimensions, Ooh. a concept that most would have thought impossible for the human mind to comprehend.
1: Ooh. Now, let, let me make clear. He said, he said in the beginning, 10 spatial or space-like dimensions. Now, when we're talking space-like does not mean spatial, first of all. Okay. There there are... There's something called time-like and space-like and light-like, and that's when we're referring to uh, ways of interpreting uh, essentially a four-dimensional Minkowski space, where we're saying that there are... There's a light cone that you have coming from any point, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Anything inside the light cone is a time-like mm-hmm. right. space. Right. space? Yes. Anything outside is a space-like space. So it's separated by a
0: space-like distance. And so he's talking here. about the stuff that we can't even see.
1: Well, we'll get into what he's okay. talking about. Let's right. get into what scientists are talking about first. And anything that's along these 45 degree lines exactly is called light-like. So that's where... That's what the like means. It doesn't mean... These behave like time and these behave like space. It means the separation between them is either time like there's a time separation such that they are, you can see cause and effect. There's a mm-hmm. light separation such as exactly at the edge of that or it's space like such that right, there is we're... cause and effect don't make sense between those two perspectives. That's what those likes means. And he's using it like it's spatial, so they're space-like. And that's not what that means at all. Okay. I want to just clarify that before we continue.
3: To visualize those 10 dimensions, a concept that most would have thought impossible for the human mind to comprehend. <gasps> How can we do this? We start with a point. Like the point we know from geometry, it has no size no dimension. It's just an imaginary idea that indicates a position in a system.
1: Okay, sort of. I mean, that's essentially right. Uh, A position doesn't make sense without any other degree, right? I mean, like you can't, I mean, a position as a concept itself is, is useless without some line, essentially. If you understand what I'm talking about? Sure, yes. Like, you can't... How how can you have a position when there's no way to measure what that position is?
0: You have a position on a number line. Well, you need... Yeah, you need two points. Right. In if you only have one point and the other point is a Cartesian, zero, zero, then you have two points. Right. But one point by itself floating in the ether is just a...
1: Their a concept that doesn't mean anything really cuz you meaning needs to be attached to something else for it to
3: to work a second point then can be used to indicate a different position but it too is of indeterminate size to create
1: it's of no size it's just pointing out different a uh, position along right. some axis
0: he's he's misusing terms with impunity here
1: yeah yeah oh, oh it gets it, it gets worse it gets worse
3: the first dimension, all we need is a line passing through any two points. A first dimensional object has length only, no width or depth. All right, that's... that's correct. If we now take our first dimensional line and draw a second line crossing the first, we've entered the second dimension. The object we're representing now... We haven't
1: entered the second dimension, you've simply now added a second dimension to what it is you're doing
0: just want to get that clear. Just trying to be fancy, Greg. Come
3: on. ...exists within a plane that has length and width, but no depth. Way back in 1884, a fellow named Edwin Abbott wrote a book about a race of two-dimensional creatures called Flatlanders. Whether these imaginary creatures could really exist or not, they're useful for thinking about what it would be like to live in a flat, two-dimensional world.
1: This is true. It's an interesting book. I do recommend it.
3: If we were to watch a balloon passing through the Flatlander's world, for instance, it would start as a tiny dot, become a hollow circle which inexplicably grows to a certain size, then shrinks back to a dot before popping out of existence. But what would the Flatlander actually see? Imagining the extremely limited viewpoint of a creature confined within this 2D plane gets even stranger than that. Now let's move to the third dimension. This should be the easiest for us, because every moment of our lives, that's what we're in. A three-dimensional object has length, width, and depth. But here's another way to describe the third dimension. If we imagine an ant walking across a newspaper which is lying on a table, we can pretend that the ant is a flatlander, walking along no,
1: can't really, but, Along
3: on a flat, two-dimensional newspaper world. If that paper the is now can't folded jump in. in the middle we create a way for our flatlander ant to magically disappear from one position in his two-dimensional world and be instantly transported to another. We can imagine that we did this by taking a two-dimensional object and folding it through the dimension above, which is our third dimension.
1: That's true. I mean, you can imagine this sort of concept of folding one dimension onto an, you know, in, in, a, in an external dimension and mm-hmm. bringing it back and sort of crossing through that sense. That That's... That's fine, that makes sense.
3: It'll be more useful for us as we begin to imagine the extra dimensions if we can think of the third dimension in this way. The third dimension is what you fold through to jump from one point to another in the dimension below.
1: That's fine, right? That's spatial, that totally makes sense. You're, you're connecting spatial dimensions in, in, in a higher space, or in eight in additional spatial dimensions.
3: To be clear, no matter what dimension you are folding, it provides a way to move instantaneously from one distant position to another. A wormhole is the scientific term for this concept. (sighs) Scientific term. (laughs) Okay. Now let's look at the fourth dimension. Because
0: we've had so many wormholes, like, studied. Right. So, okay.
1: So now let's look at the fourth dimension.
3: Just like any other spatial dimension, it's made up of two opposing directions. But we 3D creatures only experience this dimension in one of those directions. Why is that?
1: Okay, this is where things start to fall off the rails. The fourth dimension is a different degree of freedom that we call time. And while we have a perception of a past and we have a perception of an incoming future... It's unclear how that relates as a spatial dimension in terms of spatial qualifications that we use, where you can move through space. uh, And remember that that one of the very interesting things about spatial stuff is that where you are in space doesn't matter. There's there's conserved quantities as you move through different space. So a a system in one space behaves the same as a system in another space. And that's not necessarily true for the fourth dimension. It is in some sense, if you go to energy conservation, that where, that's where energy comes from. But that, that's a different thing we'll get into. I just want to clarify that the fourth dimension is different than the first three. When we mm-hmm. talk about fourth dimension and time, it's different. It doesn't work the same way.
3: It's because you and I are made out of 3D atoms and molecules, and we derive our energy from chemical reactions which move in one direction only.
1: Okay, that's... What? That's not why. <laughs>
0: Uh, So he's saying because a chemical reaction progresses, we're stuck in moving forward in time, is what he just said.
1: Yeah, and really no one knows why. I mean, it it seems to be something associated with entropy that's our best option right now. But that's, it's not like for sure. But anyway, we'll keep you.
3: But science shows us that time's reverse direction is just as valid. And in fact, the standard definition of antimatter is that it's matter which is moving backwards in time. No, it's
1: not. No. No. It's true you can model antimatter as if it were exactly the same as matter moving backwards in time. But that is not the standard definition. Because if that were the case, then we'd be surrounded by fucking antimatter. Because we'd see matter moving backward in time all the time. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that's not exactly what we see at all. We see antimatter coming out of collisions and things like that. We do not see antimatter being produced constantly, which is what you would say if antimatter was matter moving backwards in time.
3: Okay. Yes. I see. So rather than saying the fourth dimension is time, let's use the word duration. Oh, let's if see you see. were to imagine your body's duration as a shape in the fourth dimension, you could think of it as a long undulating snake with your embryonic self at one end and your deceased self at the other. Okay. Sure. right?
1: Fine. You can see yourself as a as a tube through a three-dimensional space in some sort of four-dimensional construct that That's fine. right?
2: Yeah.
3: I but like because it. our reality is observed one quantum frame after another from the third dimension, we are like our second dimensional flatlanders. Just like that flatlander who could only see cross sections of objects from the dimension above, we as three dimensional creatures can only see cross sections of our fourth dimensional self.
1: Yeah, we're into like philosophy at this point, but. In some way, you could make this work with what we say. Yeah, we see slices of a four-dimensional thing as we move through a four-dimensional space. Okay, all right.
3: And just as you and I require the fourth dimension to change from state to state, think about how for a 2D flatlander, time would be one of the two possible directions in the third spatial dimension.
1: No. How can time be a spatial dimension? Time is not a spatial dimension at all. A flat layer doesn't perceive time as a third spatial dimension. He perceives time as like we do. Right.
0: He has time. An
1: additional dimension that is non-spatial. A
0: snapshotted right. thing. Like they just showed, yes.
3: Quantum mechanics tells us that the particles that make up our world are derived from waves of probability simply by the act of observation.
1: Simply. I want to crush the person that put this thing
3: into his head. It is for this reason that I like to refer to the fifth dimension as our probability space
1: for wait, for what reason? Because quantum mechanics says that things that, that things happen on prob for probable things will happen probability based on, on observations. Therefore the fifth dimension is probability space. What the hell does that mean? (laughs)
3: And this relates very nicely to a theory which is now gaining acceptance. Advanced in 1957 by Hugh Everett III, his theory is commonly known as the Many Worlds Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics.
1: No, this is nothing like the Many Worlds Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. The Many Worlds Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics says that there are many possibilities for for, for ways for things to come out, each one when it occurs it splits the, the, the universal wave function into a sort of separate branch. It does not say that the, it moves into a higher dimensional space.
0: Okay.
3: It was Everett who showed us that these parallel outcomes reside within a space which is orthogonal to space-time. And the versions of the universe no. that we don't observe no. are just as real as the ones we do.
1: No, 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 no. Orthogonal means at right angles, too. Right, so that's what he's saying, and, and and he's saying that there's an orthogonal space of other spaces in space time that are possibilities of ways that things could come out. That 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 is nothing. That is not a space. That is not. Isn't that kind of like a, space a Stephen like Hawking's
0: imaginary time though?
1: That's, well, but in, in in some sense, yes. But that is not a spatial dimension. That is a possible branching of the of the wave function but that is not considered a spatial dimension you can't move along if you're talking about a spatial dimension it's like x y z you can move Mm -hmm. along those dimensions and define your reference point at any point in those dimensions which is not something you can do with this
0: right okay
3: what's orthogonal or at right angles to space time with this project this leads us to the conclusion that everett's many worlds reside within the fifth dimension
0: it's no well that's i'm hardly the expert that you are uh-huh. but if what i used to know about imaginary time from stephen hawking's black holes maybe universes and whatnot that that's kind of well you got
1: imaginary time is like imaginary numbers there it's exactly as real as anything else
0: Right, but the way, the way that I was understanding that is it is if you have time as being a, like a film strip, like a movie, movie film, right, where uh-huh. you're, as you're advancing in time, you're seeing it different frames. Right. Now, take that film, turn it at a right angle, and those frames are different possibilities.
1: Why are you turning it at a right angle? First of all, why couldn't it be any angle?
2: Sure, along,
0: in, in, sure. any hyperbolic
1: okay. space. I don't, I don't right? care, right? But so, it, that's number one. Okay, and 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 number two is okay. So there's a hyperbolic space associated, a hyperbolic um, conceptual space associated, but that does not mean an actual spatial dimension. Like we talk, as I as I explained, he talked about in the very beginning. He was talking about spatial dimensions. Yes, space like he said, space like right. I think I even said space like a couple minutes ago when I was like just trying to say spatial. But no, he Cause, talks.
0: Because space like sounds smart.
1: Because it does sound it's smart. SMRT. But he's talking about a spatial dimension, which is one where we mm-hmm. can move along a
3: dimensional axis.
1: Okay. They have a very specific All right.
3: description. All right,
0: fine. One
3: of the most intriguing aspects of this approach to visualizing each new dimension as being orthogonal to the previous one is that it means we can be observing one dimension and be unaware of our motion in an additional one. You
1: don't have to be orthogonal to do that. Orthogonal means, again, at right angles. And again, we talked about hyperbolic space before and things like that. You don't have to be orthogonal to be outside of a different dimension. When we're talking about an imaginary space, you don't have to be exactly orthogonal to the... To, to the number line, to be in an imaginary, in a complex space. If somebody doesn't understand math. Okay.
3: Here's a simple example. If we make a Mobius strip, take a long strip of paper, add one twist to it and tape the ends together and draw a line down the length of it. Our line will eventually be on both sides of the paper before it meets back with itself. It appears, somewhat amazingly, that the strip has only one side, so it must be a representation of a two-dimensional object. And this means that a two-dimensional flatlander traveling down the line we just drew would end up back where they started without ever feeling like they had left the second dimension. Sure. In reality, they would be looping and twisting in the third dimension, even though to them, it felt like they were traveling in a straight line.
1: Fine, but there's nothing worth talking about. The fourth dimension
3: feels like a straight line to us, moving from the past to the future with what some have called the arrow of time. But that arrow is, without us even being aware of it, actually twisting and turning in the dimension above.
1: What?
0: So he's using that Mobius strip analogy to try to apply it to the next level.
3: Seems legit to me, man. So the long undulating snake that is us at any Uh particular moment will feel like it is moving in a straight line in the fourth dimension, but there will actually be in the fifth dimension a multitude of paths that we can branch to at any given moment. Those branches will be influenced by our own choice, chance, and the actions of others. We move through those branches one plank frame at a time. Wait, why?
1: Why do we move through those branches one plank frame at a time?
0: What the fuck does Planck? I'm have to sure do with he's going it? to explain it next.
3: What, what does Planck have to do with it? I, I want to hear what he has to say. And this is why some physicists say that the fifth dimension is curled up at the Planck length. No, that it. Physicists
1: say that because we're talking, because they are talking about very tiny spatial dimensions that are curled up together, and they're so. The reason why we can't see them is because they require so much energy to get okay. there.
0: That's so is plank frame a thing? No I gotta go to the bathroom The,
1: the plank size is a particular size And it's very very tiny required. Sure but but the,
0: a plank frame isn't a thing
1: I have no idea what he's talking
0: about Okay Well I'm gonna google it Google the plank frame This is gonna be the worst post show Since the last bad post show Alright, um... Uh, oh, look at that. American historian Carpentry for the Planck Frame Construction. No. Um... No, Google doesn't seem to know anything about a Planck Frame. Let's say Quantum Mechanics. Planck time, Planck length, Planck scale, frame rate of the oh the frame rate of the universe. All right, so I stumbled upon this article which presents the hypotheses that the universe is a three D projection of a two D surface, a, like a giant hologram. I like to read about modern physics. It is so weird, and I can't say I really understand very much of it. But the descriptions provoke strange and fascinating images and thoughts in my head. Like this one. This is from January 2009. This is this from the same dude? What's this guy's name? Rob Brayenton? Oh, uh, not not Martin, Martin Vilkins? No. Because Martin Vilkins... Is the best Google search I can find about the Planck frame. He wrote an article in 2009 about the frame rate of the universe. Yeah, that's bullshit. Uh, the, the
1: Planck length is an arbitrary thing that happens to be uh, how, how light works. in, in, in our, how, Okay. But, but that and doesn't Planck mean... Planck time's
0: much. a thing, right? Well,
1: Planck time is the smallest associated period of time that we can measure in theory uh, based on electromagnetic interactions.
0: Wouldn't well, that wouldn't that be make sense to also be the frame rate like of observable of observable resolution in the universe then we don't know i mean we don't know
1: how okay. how that works necessarily it, it does no not necessarily no uh there's it just just because it's it's the smallest thing that we could conceivably measure also you have to consider relativity where you're talking about this too right because remember, distances shrink when you're moving in a certain direction. Right. So a, a plank length to you may not be a plank length to somebody else. So there's okay. So it, it becomes a very interesting question when you're talking about it like that I mean, there, there isn't a real good good answer to that. But but the so, well so, there is an so, answer. So his, has no.
0: So so his answer is 18.55 septillion frames per second. Which is, it's just bullshit.
1: Because if you're moving fast relative to somebody else, you would measure the Planck length to be a different length.
0: Video cameras won't be perfect until they can record at that speed. Right. 18.55 septillion frames per second.
1: Go for it, man. Get that energy storage, or that, that, that media storage. Can't wait for that. All
3: right. Because from our reference frame, that's how it appears. It's important to note, though, that Everett was also very clear that causality could not be violated as we observe one outcome or another. So right now, there is zero probability that you or I can suddenly be in the world where, for instance, Michael Jackson is still alive. And yet the many-worlds interpretation says those versions of the universe really exist within the quantum wave function. Uh, It's kind
1: of
0: saying that... uh
1: all all possible worlds exist, right?
0: But I mean, okay, you're watching this YouTube video in the universe where Michael Jackson is dead. So there's zero chance. Yeah, the ship has sailed.
1: But there, I
0: mean, he made the video after Michael Jackson had died. There's zero in the chance universe. we
1: could be watching this video, this YouTube video, in a world where Isaac Newton is still alive, as far as I know.
0: <laughs> like, no, come on. You have, you're not appreciating infinity. There could be a world where Isaac Newton was just born yesterday. There could be a world where but Isaac Newton what? lives for a thousand years. Right. The, there could the, be a world where, where aliens
1: come down and, 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 and take him on a on a journey and then bring him Yeah, it's okay. All right.
3: So how could we get there? We would need to fold our five D probability space. Through the sixth dimension, what the fuck is he talking? About?
0: <laughs> so we can get Michael Jackson back by going through the sixth dimension, right, which is this
1: is a probability space, not a spatial space. He was talking previously about he said in the beginning spatial space he made very specific these were spatial dimensions now he 's talking about a probability space. Now, I totally get the concept of probability space that makes sense when you 're talking about a, a, a probability you, you you put it into an axis just like you would. You know, spatial stuff. Because that's how we, you know, that's how we make right triangles. Okay. So, so that's, <laughs> that makes sense because that's how we can compute things. That's how our, our, our calculus works.
0: I want to learn about
3: some more dimensions, man. All right. I like to call the sixth dimension our universe's phase space.
1: Oh, he likes to call it our phase space.
3: Why? A phase space is defined as a space in which all possible states of a system are represented, with each possible state of the system corresponding to one unique point in the phase space.
1: As I was saying, this is fine, but this is not a spatial dimension. Mm -hmm.
3: So those points representing the versions of our universe where Michael Jackson is still alive are inaccessible to us from our current position within the fifth dimension but they still exist within our 6th dimensional phase space.
2: <laughs> what?
0: There's, so, so there's a line in... What he's saying is if you had control of your 6th dimension, then you could move through all the permutations of reality.
1: How could you move through something that is not a, tem- that is not a spatial dimension? How can you move... Okay, in a non-spatial dimension.
0: Uh, i will hardly argue on his behalf, but what he's saying is, when you, you gain extra degrees of freedom, as you, mm-hmm. if you were able to control these advanced dimensions, but
1: extra degrees of freedom simply define points on from a very from a, from a origin. They do not allow you to actually move from one system from one place to another.
0: Oh, uh, I <laughs>
1: I mean, the interesting thing about spatial dimensions is that you can move one system from one spatial area to another spatial area and nothing changes. And that is why spatial dimensions are so interesting and fascinating to us. And just because you can define other things into other conceptual dimensions does not mean that there is a way to move them because that does not make sense. You can't do the same thing. You can't do the same kind of operations in some imaginary phase space.
2: Okay.
3: Now, as we enter the seventh dimension, we're about to imagine a line which treats our entire sixth dimensional phase space as if it were a single point.
0: What? Wouldn't it be exactly like every other transformation up the dimension chain? Why is this one different? Why
1: is this one turned into a point?
3: Let's see what he says. You could say that this point represents what Einstein was thinking about when he said the separation between past, present, and future is only an illusion.
1: No, we already
3: called that the There was the fourth a couple dimensions. dimensions that was the fourth
1: dimension, right? Yeah. Why would that point you've already once you've gotten into this sixth dimension where you say you have all the possible stuff, how can you go further?
0: Well, he's had a half million views, he must be legit.
3: Some would call this point infinity for our universe. All possible outcomes all wrapped up as one single timeless everything. So if we intend to draw a 7th dimensional line that passes through this point, we need to be able to imagine what a different point in the 7th dimension is going to be, because that's what our line needs to pass through. But how can there be anything more than infinity? The answer is, there can be other completely different infinities, other different everythings, created through initial conditions, which are different from our own Big Bang.
1: Why Why would that not be just a part of the possible states that you were talking about before? Why would that not be just a part? Of, why would the Big Bang be something that starts our dimension?
0: But then there's like <laughs> he's kind of talking about like separate universes, right? I mean, he's trying to.
1: Yeah, he's no that is exactly what he's trying to talk about. Yeah. But the point is, he's calling them. He's saying this is what scientists are talking about when they say tenth dimension, and this is nothing at all like what scientists okay. are talking about when they say ten dimensions. No,
0: this is seven.
1: Not not even, but this is not anything at all like what scientists are talking about when they go beyond four.
0: I just want to hear about the eighth dimension.
3: Different initial conditions will create different universes where the basic physical laws such as gravity or the speed of light are not the same as ours. And the resulting branching timelines from that universe's beginning to all of its possible endings will create a phase space of all possible states different than the phase space associated with our own universe. Think about this. What if the 7D line we just drew represented all possible universes with different values for gravity, with our universe someplace on that line? Lower gravity than ours would be in one direction, and higher gravity in the other. Would that line be a way to get to every possible universe? No. In order to represent other universes with the same value for gravity as ours, but with other basic physical constants changed, we need to branch off to the possibility... See what I mean? See
1: where it just gets like, like, fucking absurd? Don't worry, I got your back
2: here. He's a rocker. Doctor. Don't tug on that. Never know what it might be attached to.
1: Inventor. Activate oscillator. He's He's broken the sound barrier. Philosopher.
2: No matter where you go, there you are.
1: The only hero. Buckaroo.
2: Buckaroo. Buckaroo. You bonsai.
1: Who can save us all?
2: Evil! Up up the eighth dimension.
1: Bam Launch thermal pod. Buckaroo bonsai is pure nutty fun. Buckaroo. I could never watch the whole thing. I I, I, I could only watch twenty minutes before I turned that thing off.
0: Alright,
1: let's continue with this video, huh?
0: Well, we're learning about the eighth dimension right now, so you can skip past the eighth dimension. Mm.
1: Well, no. So, so he, so, so other universes with possible different constants occur. All right. All right. Wait. wait, 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 wait. So, other universes with possible different constants uh, mm-hmm. than than ours occur yes. in this seventh dimension. Yes. But that. That line that you're talking is only one of those particular constants. So you then have to think of all the other constants, and that's Well, that's
0: because of... it doesn't have to be orthogonal anymore. It can go in any degree
3: of freedom. No, he's
1: doing it completely orthogonal. we just just
3: him one difference. It's contained within the eighth-dimensional phase space of all possible physical realities. Well, that's Buckaroo right there. And this be true no matter what variables we were adjusting within the seventh-dimensional line. We would still need the additional degree of freedom afforded by the eighth dimension to get to every possible physical universe. Wait,
1: what? The seventh dimension
0: gives... it has the universes but you need the eighth dimension to get there. If you, could, if you already have those seven
1: dimensions, why would you need an eighth dimension to get there? You could just move along that
0: seven dimensional space. Because you wouldn't have the time element of Traversing What time element? There's no time the, element. The equivalent of the superior order dimension that allows you the time to traverse the You're saying
1: the thing to curl up something, right? You yeah, need to have yeah. it in the curl up but there's why there's no reason why traversing it would take any time.
2: Okay. Just
3: you asked. That's my answer. Now, how do we get to the ninth dimension? Oh. The same logical rules we've been using would apply. If we were to instantaneously jump from one eighth dimensional point to another without passing through the intermediate points, it would be because we were able to fold through the ninth dimension.
1: So you now, so you made up the eighth dimension because you wanted a simple way to to, to get through the seventh dimension from one point to another. And now you made up a ninth dimension because you want a simple way to get through the but
0: eighth dimension. what does it mean to traverse the eighth dimension <laughs> other than buckaroo bonsai?
3: Within this approach to visualizing the dimensions, then, the ninth spatial dimension is beyond any physical reality and is much more about information, a seething foam of possibilities which could represent impossible universes which exist only as concepts, or selection patterns which could be the the beginning of a path toward a universe such as ours or any other. And to complete the logic we have used from the outset, We now take the entire ninth dimension and conceive of it as a single point. But this is where we hit a roadblock. If we're going to imagine the 10th dimension as continuing the cycle and being a line, then we're going to have to imagine a different point that we can draw that line to. But it can't be done. By the time we've imagined an ultimate ensemble of every conceivable information pattern as a single point of indeterminate size, there's no place left to go.
1: What if I then imagine unconceivable ones? (laughs) <laughs> and then all the possible unconceivable notions make another one and then I want to traverse those so I have to make another one
3: M theory says that our reality is defined from 10 spatial dimensions plus time
1: is 10 spatial dimensions plus time
3: so you're still one short Well, he and hasn't
1: that- even described spatial <laughs> dimensions beyond 3
0: right
3: that's what we're talking about here a tenth dimension without time as soon as anything tries to happen within the tenth dimension we are spilled back into the dimensions is
1: ten dimensions plus time (laughs) and he used time as one of his dimensions
0: and seven probabilistic dimensions
1: and and six probabilistic dimensions
3: Blow, as subsets are carved out from this ultimate ensemble, this omniverse, this timeless and unchanging everything which underlies our reality or any other, and that is a beautiful and fascinating idea for us all to ponder. <laughs> I hope my project, imagining the tenth dimension, a new way of thinking about time and space has given you some valuable food for thought. Nope. And that this will be the beginning of your exploration into understanding the underlying structures of our reality that the great scientists of our day are introducing us to.
1: <laughs> Nothing important to do. to
3: note that this project has reached millions of people around the world because it also could be related to many other belief systems, and not just mainstream science. I've created many other videos as part of this exploration of the wide-reaching implications of this visualization. Here's a list of some good starting points.
0: So, yeah. That's the imagining a tenth dimension guy. Oh, oh this thing pisses me off. Imagining so the zeroth dimension? Yeah. i don't to watch that one. All right. It's Z- ten minutes long. Uh, zero is powerful because it is infinity's twin. Huh? They're equal and opposite.
3: Yin and yang. It's
0: not... They are equally,
3: equally paradoxical. No. Imagining the zeroth dimension. Zeroth. zeroth. Not long ago, I started a more in-depth series about the nature of each dimension. Yes. But I started with imagining the second dimension. Oh, Some people have asked why I didn't go right back to the beginning. So let's try yeah, that now. Dumbass. Here's how I would start this discussion. With imagining the tenth dimension, we start from a zero which some would call a zeroth dimension, and we move to the first, second, and beyond, using a repeating logical structure to eventually end up at a timeless, ultimate ensemble. When you get right down to it, that's what every respectable toe or theory of everything needs to describe. Some <laughs> underlying thing
1: that all else is derived
3: from. Otherwise, called, you're back to the They're
1: not called toes, they're called TOEs. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I got some toes down here. They're describing some pretty drunk shit.
1: <laughs> no one
0: calls him a toe. I
2: don't
1: know, maybe someone calls him a toe. But no one looks at TOE and thinks, oh that means toe. Or or we're gonna give because they it's it's an initialism, not an acronym.
0: <laughs> no, Wherever he comes from. Toes.
1: And there are ten toes, so there must be ten dimensions. That's <laughs> it. Oh, I figured it out.
3: Got you peg, Rob Brandon. All the way down, joke that often comes up in these discussions. Reconciling this timeless everything, which with my project I'm calling the 10th dimension in its unobserved state, with the zero that we start from, a point of indeterminate size, is the mind-blowing concept we arrive at with my project once we've imagined all 10 dimensions. I have often insisted that zero is not a dimension, because after all we need two new directions to travel within to define a spatial dimension.
1: Wait, what? You need one direction? I mean, okay, so one direction of different phases. So you can call that, I guess, two directions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Negative or positive, right? But it's the same direction. It's just a different phase that you go through.
0: Okay. This guy. (laughs) This guy.
3: You brought him up. I have also suggested that the 0 and 10 represented on my Helix logo for this project are shown to be on a line within the other dimensions because they represent the two directions which take us towards the infinitely large one way and the infinitesimally small the other. Connect.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm done. Fuck that that (laughs) shit. Hey. There
2: ain't no tomorrow. Left, I said left, this <sighs> is left. I mean, my left, our left, no, your right. the president's calling about, is everything okay with the alien spacecraft from out 10, or should we just go ahead and destroy Russia? <laughs> so I'm just on one and no one. The adventures of Bakaruban. Which was, yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two.
1: Oh, boy. So now you know my pain, especially when when I tried to comment on that. Like, four years ago, I tried to comment on that.
0: Large, head, it's the fuck is, oh, why can't I get this fucking thing to play tonight?
1: So, like I said, four years ago, I tried to comment on that, and I got attacked by essentially... His supporters who were like Trump supporters. Is that fucking Banditos <laughs> band? <laughs> it is fucking Banditos!
0: <laughs> Play us
2: out!
1: Jeff, I'm gonna need one of your fingers. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>
2: Bus never crack a smile or blame your drive.